This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, good afternoon to all my automotive aftermarket peoples. It's Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio, and the Town Hall Academy, week 333. Keeping up with technology is our topic. So glad to have you here. I've got a great panel. I will introduce them in a minute. Don't forget, everything we do, about 90% of what we do is on our YouTube channel, Carm Capriato. You can watch us actually do our thing instead of just always listening to us. We have a books page on our website. Anytime someone comes in and drops a book that they've read that it has changed their world, their life, their business, we put it up there so you can always find them there. Wow. Keeping up with technology. This thing hit me like three or four weeks ago. I reached out to Dwayne, Chris, and Keith and said, I think you guys would be perfect to come on here. A couple of trainers, a mobile diag, very successful shop owner. By the way, Dwayne, Dwayne Myers, Dynamic Automotive, added your sixth store. Was it last week? It was about a week and a half ago, almost two weeks now, but it's very exciting. Team's excited. It's already taken off, done, doing amazing things already. But yeah, the team, bunch of promotions inside the company and more to come. But yeah, exciting times. Wow. Ooh, it just makes me feel so good about your great company down there. Chris Chesney is also with his training and organizational development at Repairify. Hi, Chris. Hi, Carm. How are you doing? I'm great. Oh, by the way, I have to tell you that in the green room, as we call it, before we actually hit the button and turn on the recorders or go live, we helped solve Chris's water problem and the industry's right to repair. No, we should be recording all of our pre-discussion because it's a hoot. Talk about fun. And we didn't solve my water problem. Thank you very much. Also with me is Keith Perkins, L1 Automotive, L1 Training, L1 Diag. Hey, Keith. Hey, hey. Good to have you guys here. I can't wait to jump into this topic, but first, high fives to our great sponsors. You know, few customers will ever tell you to give them less information about the cost of a repair. Offer fully transparency with notes, videos, and photos, so even the customer with the least expertise on digital can see why they need your expertise on the web. Talk to my friends at GetShopware.com. And with over 2,300 SKUs and 95% of sales coverage on fuel pumps, Delphi has everything you need to replace your customer's fuel pump. From OEM quality pumps, modules, GDI pumps, and fuel tank cleaning supplies to instructional videos. Get started. Go see them on the web at DelphiAftermarket.com. Okay, I don't know about you, our listener. I know you guys are realizing that technology and tech is coming at us with fire hose stream full on. And we're having to sort out what's important and what's not. And obviously, in any strategic plan for a business, having to figure out where's the training coming, where's the equipment, where are the updates, should I buy this laptop, that scanner? There's so much tech going on. And I felt so strongly about Keith Duane and Chris being able to be here to give us their particular perspective. Chris, I want to start with you. Is it possible that we have an Oz, all-knowing, all-seeing inside of our company? Do we anoint someone to do that? I think we used to. I think we called that our master tech or our A-tech. He would get the questions. He would mentor or support the younger techs in the shop. He would be the one that was always going to training. And I kind of look back to my own career and, and think, what did I need to know 50 years ago? And what did, how does that compare to 25 years ago? And how does that compare... To today. And so I don't think it's possible to know everything you need to know on a daily basis in the shop. You might get by a day, you might get by a week, but you're ultimately going to run into each of your people are going to run into situations and problems that they can't solve 
today at the fender of the car and they need help. And many times this industry has really gotten itself into a position where we believe that we have to solve it within our own four walls. It's my company. It's my people. I'm investing in them and training. I've invested in equipment, service information, buy the best parts. I do all these things right. So I should be able to solve it all. I don't want to offload or I don't want to send out any of these vehicles and let somebody else do that work. And in my opinion today, that's impossible. You have to get outside your four walls and find partnerships in companies that provide services like Keith's and mine or people, peers in your associations that you can call on to say, hey, Keith's the best Fiat guy in town. I'm going to call Keith when I get a Fiat. Sorry, Keith. I didn't mean to uncover that. Put your number up on the, (laughs) hold your number up. But it's all about serving your customer. And to serve your customer, you got to tear your walls down and go outside and get it. And I've always used this phrase, and I gave it to you in some bullet points last night, and that is don't be so naive to think that you're the first person to have ever seen this problem in your bay. Somebody else has seen it. Somebody else is smarter from that perspective. You just need to find who that is and create this network outside your building to be able to support you in that endeavor. Wow. Okay. The episode's over with. See, Dwayne, you don't have to talk so you can come down and help me. I knew that was coming. I was going to say that means I'm heading to North Carolina. (laughs) Chris, wonderful point. And you know, it almost begs the question, Keith, and I've asked this on the podcast in the past. Do we have to either specialize our brick and mortar individually by car brand or maker model or still be on all makes and all models, but have a Euro specialist and a domestic specialist or a specific ADAS diagnostics? I mean, there's so many places and ways to go because of the onslaught of change. Yeah. And I feel that way, similar to like what Chris was saying. I don't think the vast majority of shops can hold everybody in one building. You get to where you've got like six locations like Dwayne, you can have a guy or a gal that does everything. That's not one person that does it all, but you have that one ADOS person over at this store. And you've got the one really great domestic diagnostic technician over at this other store. And you can house them kind of together, but you're going to have to have a very large team to do that. We even still deal with this today, even us being the, we're the diagnostic programming ADOS key specialist that gets called into other shops. And we still have a network of individuals we reach out to and say, hey, I have not worked on a vintage LR4 in a long time. I have a Land Rover friends. It's going to be really difficult going forward to say you can stay within your four walls and do everything. Western four walls is six sets of four walls with with 108 people on staff. So difficult. Suggest that specializing is is the way. Rather specializing in just repairs, even if you make models, not doing everything in your building. It's, It's really difficult. I would love to say you can go for it, but I think we're all turning to that. That is the answer. This is the way. Dwayne, to my question, big company, six places, you're almost getting to the point where you may just go out and say to one of your people, listen, you got to be our tech forward sentinel tech who's learning, has recommending all the equipment, is recommending classes to go to, is looking at the development of this particular individual to be expert at at Euro, to be expert at CAN bus. My point is, you have to get that big or do you have to just have the right culture in the business that it's okay to say no and then, but nowhere to get the information? Yes, all the above. (laughs) 
first off, I don't care if you're at six or 60, you have to be looking outside of your walls. There's no way in this world you can be that smart. There's just too much going on. And you can do it in your, yesterday I went out and asked our team, you know, I knew this was coming up and I don't work on cars anymore. That ship set sail years ago. I got some truly bright minds, geniuses working on cars here. So I went and asked him, I said, what's your challenge? And I, I talked to our master tech who was a shop foreman. And he says, you know, he's pretty good at, at getting through most challenges. But then he goes, but, but if you want to know how all the systems works, go talk to Nate. He's the one that actually has done all the research and understands how this system talks to this one, how this network works over here. He's like, I'm really not that strong on that. And then ADOS stuff, I have a young lady that we took out of our quick loop that does that because she follows directions. <laughs> she actually reads it where I speed rate. I went through and I, I breezed it and do it. You could do that in the 90s early 2000s fixing a car engine, you try and do that on a calibration today, you, you're done. It ain't going to work. But you size helps. We're able to spread it out. And we have some people that are better in, in other areas. We try to train that way as best we can. And we do have one guy, you know, he's been with us 15 years that, you know, he's only 30. He's a genius. You've met him as Garrett over at our new market store. Everybody goes to him when they can't fix something. And he just has that knack. There are certain ones that are just special. But for the most part, we reach out. I mean, we use third-party services. Companies like like Chris and Keith, in a second, I introduce my team to every one of them and try to get them to get a connection because I'm like, I want you to know these guys and gals because you have a better network, a better uh, set of resources, and really network, network, network. It comes down to that. It's the way you learn. There's just too much out there. If you run more than one shop, you know how vital it is to keep up with how each one is performing. But it can drive you crazy to log in and out of each shop's database as you try to compare KPIs. Well, look, stop making it hard. With Shopware's advanced analytics, you can easily pull all that data into one report. Heck, you can even set up the system to pump it out in a graph or a chart and then email it to you anytime you want. Why tax your brain before you even start looking for trends and wins to celebrate? Let the computer do the work for you. Spend less time sifting through pages of numbers. Now, once you see your business's potential right in front of you, you can take steps to make it even better. And then you can take a night off to enjoy the time you just won back. Benefit, go with the team that created DVX. My friends at GetShopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. I remember talking to uh, someone at dinner one night. They said, I was looking through the glasses. I was in the waiting room getting my car fixed and my car, there's a 
mechanic standing next to it, and he had a computer in front of him and a sheet of paper. And I says, you think he knew what he was doing? And I said, absolutely. In fact, <laughs> thank God <laughs> he was reading stuff and looking at stuff because there's so much, so, so much to learn. And I almost think that the general public may we're not doing anything to teach the professionalism of our industry, but that's another topic for another day. Keith, can we have a one-size-fits-all training, or as we were speaking, we can specialize, but do we have to really concentrate on the kind of training each individual technician is getting? Chris and I have talked about this a bunch, that people don't learn the same way, right? How I pick up on things, I have no problem going and purchasing an SAE white paper, reading through a technology, and devising how that is set forth into a vehicle. But I've got two technicians that do not learn that way. I have to put together a curriculum development that that's set for them, that this is, we're going to go over the broad overview of the description of operation and the theory of how this works. And then we're going to go out here to this vehicle and we're going to look at this and break down the component to component and develop from a fault standpoint and plug in symptoms and come up with it to really understand it. And that's just in my small building here with my team of six people, right? So we're very small. So I can specialize that way, but then other people take to virtual learning very well. They can watch an online lecture. They can gather the information. Some can't. They have to do a, a hands-on. They're the kinetic learner, right? That's. I think everyone can be taught to learn different ways for sure, but why force someone into learning something different if they already have a way, if they already know how to learn one way? We need to cater to those different types of things. And, and not everyone needs a standardized learning path. Chris had a couple episodes with you where we talked about identifying the individual's current path of where they're at and what they're missing. And that may not be a direct path. It may take two lefts and a right to get there because we don't need to go this direction. They've got that down. We've identified that technician is extremely well-versed. So we need to go to this other other portion. So yeah, I, I think there's I think we need to reach outside of our normal thought process of well, I send them to training. I send them to all the training for the part stores every evening after they've worked eight hours, ten hours straight, and they're burnt. Absolutely, I, I give them all the training they can. They need to. Some people learn different ways. We need to foster whatever they can use to do that. So to have the conversation with your teammates. Hey, what's your favorite kind of training? What do you feel like you get the most out of? And they'll tell you, I think I pick this up better when I do it this way. Let's search out for that. There's training everywhere. I think one of the issues that we have is, number one, we tend to send everybody to training that's available in our area. That topic or that discipline that you're training on may not be what they need. It's just available and it's easy to get to and it's affordable because your supplier put it in front of you so that, hey, I'm just going to send everybody. And I mean, I spent 22 years seeing the wrong people in the classroom all the time. You'd see 40 guys in a classroom, you'd see 10 that should be there and 30 that had no clue what we were talking about because they didn't have the foundation skills. So you have that to deal with. The other thing that Dwayne brought into the conversation, I think is important is creating that network. Carm, you've been a part of this over the last five, six, seven years and creating and observing the networks that shop owners are joining is amazing and encouraging. Dwayne doesn't belong to one group. He belongs to multiple groups. He's a serial trainer. He and his entire leadership team are everywhere. Another one is Brian Gosel. He, Brian was in ATI. He was Transformers. He was elite. He did them all. And it's because he wanted to see other ideas from other people and peers to learn from them. We need to do the same for technicians. And I think that's starting in the way of shop foreman training. That's becoming very successful, but we need to create 
or ideate a way to get technicians to get engaged in that kind of networking as a outside resource. And it's not their nature to do so. It's the typical technician's nature to come to work, fix cars, go home. Okay. It's not their nature to come to work, fix cars, ask questions, fix more cars, go home, and then have conversations with other people. Okay. This is a huge point. We need to dig into this because we've been thinking about it for so long, talking about it on the podcast. And then we think about, oh, well, don't worry, they're in a social media group. And I'm not necessarily saying that those are 100% healthy and good because you're getting that thing in raindrops type of thing. But to your point, Chris, it would be neat if they could just say to themselves every third Thursday at, pick a time, it could be seven in the morning, it could be six at night while they're still at work, getting paid, you're hanging out with your quote unquote 25 person networking group. Is that kind of what you're saying? And could we pull that off? Yeah. And it's not new. This has been done before. Back in my early days, the Sun Tune-Up Club met one Friday a month at the Sun Electric Training Center, and we'd get 40 people there for pizza and Coke, and we'd hook up scopes, and we'd talk about gas analysis, and we'd do all these things. It was just an open forum. And then probably the most recent one I remember, and you all are probably, except Carm, are too young to remember this one. And that's when IATN used to hold their forums, their nightly deal, when John Riggle once a week would stand up an open chat and everybody would join in. And I mean, he'd pick a topic and we'd talk about it. And those are the kinds of networks that need to be created, not nationally, not even regionally, but locally so that people are getting together and talking about their trade and talking about how they can become better at serving their customer and serving their business. And shop owners need to drive that. Trainers need to drive that. The industry needs to be driven that direction. Yeah, Carm, it's something I'd add, something we're trying to do, and I can't say we've done it well yet, is we're actually trying to add a Slack channel for just our technicians to throw up issues that they're having We've got some traction on it, but we're still working on it. And I think it's a good method when you, you have 40 technicians. Why not use 40 technicians worth of brain power instead of the one or just the one shop they're in? That's beneficial. And then also something I got from you, oh, God, five, six years ago. We try tracking our training now because we go everywhere. And as Chris said, is putting you know the right person in the seat. See, I was the guy he was talking about that was in his class that didn't belong years ago. He threw me out. But but no, we, we, we try to track where they go. So one is we have a, a list of where they've been, what they've learned. But then as we track their efficiencies and stuff and there's issues, we also can pick out, all right, well, they haven't done training on timing components. And maybe instead of going after me and saying, well, why, why do you suck at this? Say, well, let's help you get better. Why don't we train you? It's an area of opportunity. Well, you're talking about creating a training resume. We also need to have some kind of assessments. We need to have a competency thing. These are great, great discussions, guys. I'm just going to get out of the way and let you guys keep going at it. Keith, your opinion of this? Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add to that. That was perfect. Identifying the concern and adding to that is massive. Identifying where you're lacking on that. That resonated with me the most, what Dwayne said. I was sitting here just kind of reeling that back and forth going, I'm not doing that. (laughs) I'm not recognizing where we have a deficiency and reaching out for that. I just kind of, I take a little bit of what Chris said and yeah, we do trainings just because they come around. It was a local training for mobilizer stuff and we do keys and everything. So I, my guys all sat down and did it one evening because it was an evening class. I don't like doing those a whole lot. I made it to where I invited them to come into the shop. 
And then everyone clocks in and I ordered food and stuff. And it was a team kind of thing. And we went through it and it was a, a local parts store, virtual training, you know, one of those $40 deals or whatever. I made them all sign up for it. <laughs> we all watched one person's login, but everyone paid, everyone got a certificate. And looking back at that, there wasn't a lot of that for us, right? A lot of that material for us, because it was kind of the entry level for it. And we're the guys that come out to fix that stuff every day. I don't feel like that was a wasted time or, or effort. Everyone picked up a little bit of something like, oh, we never thought of that method or whatever. But really seeking out for the individual stuff is big. I think I think we could all take a good look inwards of what we have in our shops, in our buildings that we're like, man, we're really missing the mark here. Looking at our quote unquote comebacks or whatever. Everyone's got a new phrase for a comeback. They don't want to call it that. They've got to try again or whatever. Hey guys, is any training bad training? And I know that's a loaded question. I've been there. <laughs> Yeah, especially if it's a sales class, you know, yeah. and not one where you're yes. teaching a service yeah. advisor when, when they're trying to sell their product. I think it is. But yeah, the whole whatever you call it, comeback or whatever to me, that's area for learning. And I, I, yeah, an opportunity. But I let our team be the first to pick what classes they want to take. I never tell them. I'll guide them, especially if they want to get into leadership, which is a whole other class. But I want to know what they think they need. And then I'll look at it and then I'll also look at their performance and, and what they're doing and, and what are they needed help with. They want to take classes to learn, not to sit in a class. They want to take it to learn. And if it's not a value, they usually won't pick it or they'll tell me, I'm struggling, help me. And then that's when I'll look at it and say, well, this one right here might be the one. And, and a lot of times it's the instructor. I'm like, if he's teaching the class, I'm like, you want to sit in it. I, I don't care what he's teaching. You want to sit in it. I think the key to all of this, and I've been preaching creating career paths and tracking your team's performance and tying that to their performance in the bay and identifying their gaps for, gosh, 20, 30 years. It takes a shop owner that wants to invest and has a need to invest in that. Keith's shop's small enough. He, he innately knows where the weaknesses are because he's there every day and he's engaged. Dwayne is in one spot and he's got five other stores he's got to deal with. So he's dealing with a larger group of people. So he needs to add some systems into place or process into place to be able to manage that. But if you listen to Dwayne talk through that, it's not a hard process. It's just reviewing where their weaknesses are. Guys, the Slack channel idea, Dwayne, we just did an episode. We had a couple of guys on, talked about Slack. I think it's a brilliant idea. It's separate for technicians in the company, not included if you have inside the normal corporate Slack channel, because I can imagine all the different folders that you could have. And the other beauty of it is, is the learning that's going on and the case study and the screenshots that could be added to that. And then the capabilities of searching amongst a team of 20, 30 technicians amongst a bigger company. What a brilliant idea. Well, forever, we had our, our leadership channels. And then you would have a channel for the whole company, say it was a snow day or we had a company event coming up. Well, why don't we have the, our own miniature diagnostic network. You know, why, why don't we have our own IETN? And not that we don't reach out, we definitely do, but we have so many smart people here that are so trained. Why aren't we leveraging them to the as far as we can? Because everyone wants to help. I mean, that's the type of people we hire, are ones that want to help each other. It is a culture, but yeah. It, and again, we're not where we need to be, but I think that a lot of us should do it and try it. And quite honestly, it doesn't have to just be a dynamic Slack channel. Why can't it be, I got Doug Autostream, we're both in Maryland. Why can't they be included in on that? It's knowledge is knowledge. To me, who, who do you care who you're helping? I totally agree with that. We use Slack and so many of our partners, sponsors, and others inside the industry, uh, we have connections to. 
which is so neat to be able to communicate that way. So it's a brilliant idea. I call it bringing the world tighter, smaller together because it's almost like instant communication. Why? It could be on desktop and it can be on mobile. And that to me is, what are we doing? I'm not, I'm not checking Facebook. I'm checking Slack. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. So back to hiring stuff, Keith, how should we be attracting the right kind of person that comes to work for us? And I'm sitting across from a potential technician based on some of the stuff that I've recently heard here in the last 15 minutes is that we need to find that person's learning profile so that we can help them. If everything we do is about technology, we need to hire that individual who can fit in to the puzzle. Because of what we do, I'm not terribly interested in hiring the master technician who's hammered out all the hours all the time. They most likely have learned some bad habits that I'm not interested in. So I'm more interested in someone who just has good critical thinking skills, has the right attitude to fit the culture and the ability to learn and the want to learn. And then at that point, I mean, it's a long hiring process. And, and right now, everyone talks about the technician shortage and all that stuff. I have not been affected by that yet. I always try to have a good warm bench. It doesn't matter if I'm eating lunch somewhere and I'm like, man, this guy is on it. Like, I'll talk to that individual. That sounds, that's perfect. Is this, the, is he a right fit? Is she a right fit? Does it matter? I'm unique in that. I don't have to hire as many skilled technicians as what other people do. So to a degree, take what I, I have to say about that with a grain of salt. But I am consistently making sure that they are a culture fit more than anything. And I know you hear that a lot from a lot of people. That is number one, is will they fit in here? I can teach programming. I could teach keys. We can teach all those things. And we have an amazing team that's willing to help everybody because of how our structure of our company is. So for us, when it comes to reaching out for the right people, I'm more interested in, would they make a good engineer? Because then they'll make a great technician for me. For so long, our industry has attracted, I will say, the wrong individuals. And some may disagree with that. I totally get it. I just, it's for me, I'm going to take the easy route and say that we just attracted a lot of the wrong people for a long time. We had the right people for a really long time. And then the industry changed so much that now we kind of need a different person. And there's space for both of those types of people in the industry, for sure. It's not that we need to get rid of those people or anything like that. We just, it's a different mix that we need today for these technology-based situations and, and vehicles. So when it comes to that, I'm looking for someone that's a critical thinker, that's a knowledge base. So it, it's not the automotive industry that I'm looking for. I'm looking to engineering industries. Keeping up with technology, I want to move into a, a next kind of topic about tools and updates, scan tools. Tell me about the challenges that you're all seeing and facing, because I'm sure that there's a brand new tool to buy every day. And with the onslaught of technology, how do you guys sort this out? Who do you go to to help you? You have to read and research constantly. We used to go to SEMA every year or Apex every year to learn what's new. Today, it's on your phone. So if you just pick your darn phone up and read the, the notifications that you've received from industry and take the time to do that, I do that every morning. Six o'clock in the morning, I'm at Starbucks reading my phone. I learn something new every day. Even with my, in my own organization, I learn something new every day. And I probably did, I probably did the script for it. So... It's a matter of just committing yourself to educating yourself on a daily basis, not when you need to put it into action. Yeah, Karma, I'll say for us, I think one thing you got to do is you, you have to budget for scan tools and stuff. And, and your team needs to know how much you're going to spend and what they're looking for. I think that's part of the, the first thing as a business is you need to budget for it so that you can ac actually go get something. But I do rely on our team and for them to research. I have some guys that really love doing that, that dig into it because there's certain scan tools that are all based on the same platform. 
So you can buy all three of them and you're getting the same scan tool. We tried to mix it up to our conversation earlier, being able to do different things on different cars between the shops. That is something, I mean, you can have a single shop own every scan tool, but man, that's an investment. But if you can take that and spread it out, and then the ones we don't have, for the most part, we can do almost anything. But what we don't, we go to the Chris's or the Keys of the World, and the internet can do some amazing things when you plug it in. They can go right in and, and help you out. So use the resources that are out there. You don't have to buy everything, but you do have to know where the stuff is at. Yeah, and I'll, I'll mirror all that, that research is a heavy part of it. So I'm the individual for our company that determines what tool we're going to buy next, consistently listening to input from the guys on, hey, we're having a challenge with this XYZ. And that conversation doesn't really come up anymore when it comes to a regular repair procedure. Being heavily tooled with almost every OE tool, we're blessed to do that. But we're only able to provide all of that tooling in one building because we are servicing over 400 other shops as well. It is not financially feasible to put all of them in one building. I would be amazed to see the ROI, to see a shop that's as tooled as we are. It would have to be a very large, high-volume shop to really make that worth it, make money, come back in and pay for all those. Between the upfront investment of the tool and the subscription and the upkeep cost, you're easily spending about 50 to 60 grand a year keeping everything up to date and keeping subscriptions. That's after you've spent the hundreds of thousands of dollars on the hardware. Like I have area shops around us that skip a year every year on their one scan tool subscription is $1,200 because they say it just, they don't make it back. I think maybe they're probably not doing what they should be doing on every vehicle, but the sticking with it part of it of, of like figuring out what you have to buy next, man, that is absolutely full-time. What Chris says, I get up every morning and I'm on Facebook and unfortunately Facebook is probably the best source of it. We're seeing hundreds of other technicians using tools going, Hey, that's something we don't have. And then what Dwayne said, these three brands, four brands, all use the same exact software. Am I getting anything really out of this? Do I need four of the same scan tool? Or do I need to get a different one each time to add functionality? So those all that all rings true. And it's a full-time job keeping up with tools, equipment, technology, and scan tools. Carm, I'd like to add something else just to what Keith said, because I, it always impresses me. And, and he does. He goes out and helps so many people that he can have all those tools. But everyone is different. And you're used to using the tool that you have in your hand. So what is the opportunity lost in the time it takes a technician to figure that tool out that he hadn't used in two months? Because that's not the one he uses every day. So if he's losing time, is it cheaper for me me to go ahead and pay Keith to come in or Chris to come in and do it over the phone? I'd almost bet you it is definitely cheaper. But so you got to look at that opportunity cost because if the technicians aren't working because they're trying to figure out their tool, or trying to learn it. Where is the balance? That's why, you know, be smarter. You don't have to have a big ego and think I can do everything. Use your family and network that you've grown. OE or aftermarket scan tools, guys. Yes. Yes. I always love getting yes answers from you guys. This is great. OE. Chris, I think was kind of diving into the OE side of my question. And it's interesting because both of you said you need a mix of both. Yeah, it depends on what you're doing. And, and that's where, all right, if you don't want to buy the OE tools, use the services out there and they'll do it for you. It's, it's there. People say, oh, I can't afford all those to do all that. Well, just join the service and use it as you need it. So did you ever do the math, guys, in the long haul? Here's the equipment, the laptop, the software, the subscription versus the 20 times, 30 times a year I have to sign on and have someone help me. Is there uh, any math on that? Not on signing on and helping me. There is math for me on a few of them on did I use it enough times to pay for the tool as a standalone component and just short of some of the bigger makes and models, you know, the GMs, the Fords, the Chryslers, the 
the Nissans, Toyota Hondas that we see often and the Hyundai Kias. When we reach into stuff like Volkswagen, the great ROI for us, what we've spent on BMW, Mercedes and those things, it's just so we can say yes. It's less that this tool individually has a great ROI. Okay, that sounds like also a marketing thing. You could put part Absolutely. of that as your marketing. So you got to look at that too and spread that cost out across your marketing that mm-hmm. I can do all these, even though you don't do that one a lot. It definitely does make a difference there. The thing that we have done is we've tested all the aftermarket tools against the OE. And so we have a huge database that tells us when the aftermarket tool is the equivalent of the OE in the service that we're trying to provide. So we can offer that when it's appropriate. But the one thing we don't want to do is use aftermarket and miss the opportunity to see a module that we hope is there or to get inaccurate information from the vehicle and interpret it incorrectly. So scaling issues, things of that nature. So repairify.com, Chris? Repairify.com or aztec.com. You probably saw a new tool come out this week. It gives the shop the ability to have their local tool and their access to the factory tools all in one box. How cool is that? Great company that you work for. A lot of great contributions to the podcast over the years, Chris. Thank you so much. Keith Perkins, L1 Automotive, L1 Training, L1 Diet. So the training company, it's L1Training.com, Keith? Yep. And you have support programs for people. Yeah. Yeah, we've got online training and the ability to reach out and schedule training for individual shops and stuff. Love that. And Dwayne, Dynamic Automotive Partners, Lee, Jose, great company. Great input here, by the way, to give people an idea of how you guys are looking at dealing with tech and the onslaught of it. And I still am such a fan of this whole specialization thing. It almost seems that based on your size, Dwayne, with six stores, you could almost, without being a specialty shop, be a specialty shop. It sounds good. By the time you get to whatever size you think you need to be to do that, the technology's gotten even more intense and you got to get bigger and bigger. That's why I say... Size helps, scaling helps, but never forget your network. There's no way you can know it all. Amazing stuff, guys. I so appreciate this. Keeping up with technology. Heath Perkins, Chris Chesney, Dwayne Myers. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 